good evening, and welcome to another episode of the DFWTO podcast. I'm your host, Casper. I'm your other host, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays because Wednesdays are for podcasts. I didn't know we were going there. Is it Tuesday? And I, it? Really, I really relate to the Cockney. Jesus. It's Tuesday, isn't it? it? Oh, God. That was horrid. I am so sorry. What a bottle! <laughs> I have so much respect. I love British accents so much. Yeah, but that one's that, terrible. That, that was that terrible. That cocky one is bad. It's I'm so a, sorry. It's I was, it. I was really making fun of this. Oh, God, I love them. The snoresberries taste like snoresberries. Oh my anyway. god. So guys, we're doing great tonight. How are yeah, you guys we're losing, doing? We're losing it. Oh, anyway, uh, of course no, we're gonna we're be talking great. about something tonight that is very um appropriate for Near and dear to our hearts. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be talking about lesbians. <laughs> oh my god, lesbians. Lesbians Let's go lesbians. <laughs> Halloween and murder. <laughs> I feel like that just needs to be on my tombstone. Yeah. Lesbians, Halloween, murder. Yeah. Um, so before we get into our episode tonight about lesbians, Halloween, and murder, um, a word from our small sayer. Calm your bunny down. So, as I announced last She's week. She's my best friend. I don't know why that song popped into my head. You're a real bad bitch. Oh my god, you know what that made me think about? All the fucking Saweetie TikToks. <laughs> Let's go! There's been so many of them. The, the moth and one I can't, is the one that got me the most. The moth one. Oh my god, and the, the deer, motel? The deer and the headlights, and it's Nicki Minaj driving, and she hits her in the car and the Bates Motel one. The white people, the, when they hear the house is haunted. Let's go. <laughs> They're so good, though. They're so good. So many of them. I mean, some of them are like, okay, but some of them are like... Some of them are really what? funny. Some of them are really Oh, funny. my God. Um, but as promised, as I mentioned last week, the uh, spooky skulls are up for sale. Um, they are not the bloody ones this year, but um, they are the skulls. They're cute. I love them. And uh, they seem to be a favorite. So they are up for sale. Um, I'm going to keep them and the pumpkin spice ones all the way through the end of the year, just in case anybody wants them for gifts. So, um, calm your body down on Etsy, see your BD on Instagram. Um, been posting more reels, might even possibly make a calm your body down TikTok. I don't know. Uh, let's go. <laughs> seems to be, I know, right? It seems to be the, the way to get attention nowadays. So, um, Etsy, calm your body down. Everything's free shipping. And yeah, the pumpkin spice and the skulls are up for sale right now. So thank you. Let's go. <laughs> I know, right? Now it's in stuck my head. in my head now. Calm your body down. Bing. All right, my dudes. So time to get into the scandalous story of the lesbians in the 50s and the murder and the trick-or-treat. It's actually called the trick-or-treat murder. I didn't even realize it was it had a name. But it was called the trick-or-treat murder. I didn't either. So, um, you know, we kind of wanted to keep in keep in tradition with our October episodes and trying to do things that are somewhat Halloween 
themed, even though we have a spooky horror podcast. But um, as far as the true crime murders, for um, anything Halloween themed, I mean, we've we've done about as many as we can that kind of stick with that. But um, this one, I just sort of Googled out of the blue to try to find something for the month and uh, came across this great article on medium.com. And I think we've actually utilized them before when we did our Project Poltergeist episode. Um, and I found this one. Uh, I the, the tagline totally got me. It's an article that came out in 2019, October of that year, by Lisa Marie Fuqua, I believe is how you pronounce the last name. Um, but it says, Unreturned Love Killed on Halloween True Crime. The Fabiano Halloween murder quickly became known as the lesbian murder scandal that captivated L.A. and beyond in the 1950s. So I saw that and was just like, yep, there you go. It's got all, all the things that I'm sure, you know, as soon as I ran it by Casper, I was sure she was going to be up for it. She was totally for it. I was so. like, excuse me, what? <laughs> She's like, what, what? Those are all the things. So um, it was kind of like when you told me about before he, before he cheats. What? <laughs> what is the, what is the movie called? Oh, uh, what? Oh, no. What oh, is the movie called? Uh, the, the, uh, keeps you alive. What keeps you alive? There we go. My brain kept going before, 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 and I'm like, why are we? I was putting... like, no, it's <laughs> what? <laughs> it's something. A... Yeah. Um. Yeah, that was like when you told me about that, and I was like, what? Why have I never heard of this magnificentness? Yeah, that's a great movie. So I'm very excited to get into this story. This is definitely very scandalous, especially for the 50s. Uh, yeah, big time. People were not as out and proud as they are today. Um, so yeah, uh, even something like this, I'm sure today would still cause a scandal, but not oh, I'm to sure. the magnitude that it yeah, did no. back then. So, um, did you want to start off? Or do you I sure, to... absolutely. Okay. So we're starting off with the crime. So Joanne, is it Joanne or Joan? It's probably Joan. It's Joan, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys, I'm going to tell you a really funny story real quick. So I was trying to say Joan and Joan Jet and Hart were doing a concert together. And for some reason, I looked at my roommate and all I said was hone. And she went, what? <laughs> Because I just straight up looked at her and went, hone. <laughs> she's like, she's like, I get what? <laughs> she's like, I think what happens is when you're trying to get something out, it's in your brain the way you think you're going to say it. But then your mouth and your brain are not on the same, <laughs> not on page. The same page at all. So what you think is coming out is Joan Jet and Hart, but your mouth went, Hone and like, <laughs> your brain's going. That is not what the fuck I said. We still to this day. Sometimes I'll look at her and go hone, and she, she just starts laughing. She said it's not even the fact that you just said hone; it's that you like moaned. She's like you went hone, and I was like, what? Is that even a word? Why did you say it like that? Hone. And I think I said it like that because my brain was like, I knew I wasn't saying it correctly. Yes. 
So I just came Your brain up. tried like, to grab hone. it before you said it, and it didn't happen. That sounded like a fucking car. <laughs> anyway. Like the worst car alarm ever. Oh my god, I had to share that with you guys, because I thought that was so funny. Because sometimes pretty, I still just go, hone. That was pretty amazing. So Joan, Rabel, and Goldine, I almost said Pfizer. I, I, I really did the same do... exact thing. When I read over the article to get ready... I kept saying Pfizer, and I was like, no. <laughs> no. Stop it. No. Cone <laughs> and Pfizer. So, and oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's what we should just call it. Oh, my. Hone that and Pfizer. That sounds like a buddy cop 80s TV show. Hone and Pfizer. What the fuck? <laughs> I oh, know. Oh. oh, my God. That's another shirt idea. Hone and Pfizer. Okay, so... Joan Rabel and Goldine Pizer sat in a parked car outside the Fabiano home. They were watching, waiting for the lights to go out so they could make their move. As the lights turned off throughout the house, then lastly in the master bedroom, Rabel told Pizer, all right, go do it. Pizer got out of the car, dressed in jeans, a khaki coat, red gloves, and heavy makeup that she covered up with a domino mask. She walked straight to the Fabiano door and rang the bell. Peter and Betty Fabiano had already gotten into bed. When they heard the doorbell, Peter got up to answer, thinking it was a trick-or-treater. It's a little late for this, isn't it? He asked as he opened the door. No, is all Pizer said as she raised a brown bag. <clears throat> Both of her hands were holding something inside the bag out of sight of Peter. She pulled the trigger and it was clear what she was holding. The sound of the bullet being fired rang through the street and the bag exploded. Peter fell where he stood in the doorway. Pizer didn't wait to see if Peter was dead or anyone had seen her. She ran back to the car where Rabel was waiting as Pizer got in, Rabel leaned over and kissed her, saying, Thank you. The two women left and quickly burned the clothes they were wearing in case they contained any trace evidence. Afterwards, they returned the getaway car to a friend they had borrowed from earlier that day. When the two women had completed their mission, Rabel said to Pizer, Forget you ever knew me. When Then they went their separate ways. The next day, Pizer realized that she still had the murder weapon in Smith & Wesson 38. She had no idea what to do with it, so she went to a downtown L.A. department store, there, she rented a locker and left the gun. I don't even feel like I'm talking about a real event. It doesn't. Like, well, I like the way this article is structured, and it sounds so dramatic that, especially for this time, again, like, it's it's crazy. This definitely doesn't sound like something that actually happened. Like, it literally feels like I was reading a plot to a film. <laughs> like, I just... It doesn't, it doesn't, okay. It doesn't even, even these names, like these names are so, besides Betty. They, they're super old school names too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone's going to listen to this podcast and be like, um, so we're going to make a movie. And I'm gonna... yeah, totally. You should. <laughs> I mean, this would, this would make for a great movie. Kind of reminds me of that VHS. Um, I think it's from the first one. The VHS short. Mm-hmm. Where the woman and man, every night they go to bed, and then this person I keeps think coming in the and stalking them. And then you find out, like, she kills the guy, and then mm -hmm. you find out that they're lesbian lovers. That kind of reminds me of this, honestly. I think that is the first one. It is the first one. I was like, I want a full-length I want a full length movie of that. <clears throat> I'm just up for that topic at any point. So, okay. This is where the investigation begins. 
Betty heard the shot go off, ran downstairs to check on her husband, Peter. She found him laying on the floor, unconscious. He had only been shot once. The bullet entered his chest just below his heart. Peter was rushed by ambulance to a nearby hospital, but he never regained consciousness. Betty had to be sedated for days after the shooting, unable to help the police in their search. Finally, after Betty was able to compose herself, she spoke with the police. She told them that she heard two voices coming from downstairs, a man and someone that sounded like a man pretending to be a woman. The first thought was that this was a gang shooting. Ellie was suffering from gang problems even back in the 50s. Peter had been charged years before with bookmaking in the 40s before he moved to California. But since being in the Sunshine State, he had opened a string of hair salons and had stayed clean, so they didn't think his murder was gang-related after all. When questioned about who would want to harm her husband, Betty said that she could only think of one person, and that was Joan Rabel. I can't say it like that or I I'm would. sorry. <laughs> Betty said that Rabel was a friend of the family. She didn't elaborate at first about her and Rabel's relationship. As the weeks went by and the police ran out of suspects to question, it started to look like it might go cold. Then they caught a break. A gun had been found in a downtown department store and after a ballistics test, it matched the bullet fired into Peter Fabiano. A search of the weapon showed it was registered to Goldine Pizer, <clears throat> excuse me, a lab assistant at the Children's Hospital. And no one that had even been on the police's radar, wait, and no one that had even been on the police's radar in, in connection to the Fabianos. On November 12th, Pizer was arrested. In the interrogation room, she confessed to everything, telling police that it was all Rabel's idea. Rabel had coerced her into, the, into killing Peter. She didn't even know the man. Boy, she gave that up quick. Police had interviewed... <laughs> well, yeah, because she's like, wait a minute, I have nothing to do with yeah, this. Yeah, she's like, nope. <laughs> Police had interviewed Rabel several times, but she claimed to know nothing about the murder. Now they got an arrest warrant, and Rabel got a lawyer. Meanwhile, Pizer was telling everything. <laughs> Me she is singing like, a, singing like a jaybird. She's like, nope, I ain't going down for this shit. Uh... Pizer said, quote, she told me that Fabiano was a vile, evil man, a man who destroyed everything around him, Pizer told authorities. Quote, she told me that he mistreated his wife and that he was dealing narcotics, unquote. So I would just like to say we would never be in this spot, but I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't sing like a bird. I'd be like, thank you. You have to fucking <clears throat> kill me before I speak. I, this just seems to me like, so it, it just, it definitely seems true to form of, uh, I mean, I, I could totally see this happening where, yeah. you know, Pizer in, in Pizer's or in, um, Joan's eyes, Peter was vile and to her, he destroyed everything around her mm -hmm. really because right. she wanted betty because he she's like oh he's destroying everything and so in reality he's just got what she wants and in her eyes he is a vile person mm -hmm. but definitely didn't deserve let's go lesbians murdered lesbians all. let's I mean, go lesbians the murder weapon, she said, had been bought with money that rabel had given her pizer told how they had been planning the murder for weeks the two of them had driven by the Fabiano's home before and Rabel had pointed out Peter to her so that she would recognize him when the time came. So how did this happen? Peter and Betty Fabiano had met in the late 40s in New York. Peter had gotten out of the Marines and was driving a truck. Betty was a pretty divorcee with two children. They married. 
They moved to Los Angeles in 56, where they opened two beauty salons. Peter hired Joan Rabel to work in one of the shops, and this is how she came into their lives. Even the Fabiano's life looked to be coming together. Their marriage was falling apart. Sorry. Even as it looked like it was coming together, their marriage was falling apart. Betty needed space and moved out of the family home and went to stay with Rabel. At the time, people closest saw that the two women were romantically involved and called it abnormal. L.A. has always been a progressive city, but this was the 50s, and progressiveness only went so far. After a while, Betty decided she wanted to work on her marriage and left Rabel to go back to Peter in her life. Peter had found out about the relationship, and those close to him said he had felt threatened by it. Peter was threatened so much that when he and Betty talked about working on their marriage, she vowed to never have contact with Rabel again. Soon after Betty went back to Peter, Rabel realized that her girlfriend was serious about fixing her marriage. Knowing she had lost Betty is when Rabel found Pizer and started selling her on how horrible of a man Peter Fabiano was and that he had to die. <clears throat> I feel like this is Josh Tucker must die. <laughs> Rabel never elaborated on why she Was it wanted... John Tucker? John, that's John. right. Oh my god, that movie. That was a great um, movie. Rabel never yeah. elaborated on why she wanted Peter dead. Was it because she wanted to punish Betty or because she wanted Peter gone so Betty would come back to her? We know lesbians and she wanted Peter gone so Betty would come back to her. Yeah, for sure. Lesbians are sometimes intense. I I <clears throat> fully think, though, that... Um, I mean, I I think... All of it had to do with several factors. Of course, not knowing them personally, but um, yeah, would Peter be? I, that's definitely a blow to his masculinity, big time. Especially I mean, back not then. Not only does your I wife mean, have that, an yeah. affair, your wife has an affair with another woman. Like, yeah, that's gonna <laughs> hit a guy's ego pretty hard, especially yep. in the fifties. Um, but also. I think that there were definitely factors where Betty loved him. I do believe she possibly did love her husband, that she wasn't a lesbian, that she was bisexual. Yeah, I agree. And also, unfortunately, I think just knowing the times that how hard it would really be for the two of them. And that at the end of the day, that was just something that Betty just was not prepared or wanting to do. Because it would have been really, really, really hard. Honestly, really this, hard. this kind of reminds me a little bit of Carol. Yeah. Carol was set in the too. 20s, though. Was that the 20s or the 30s? I thought that was like the 30s, 40s. Maybe it might have been the 30s yeah. or the 40s. Um, obviously, this is way more intense than Carol was, but... Like, Carol was married to a man, and she... Carol was a lesbian, though. That is that is the difference. Carol was actually a lesbian, but the girl that she was... Uh, what's her name? Oh, no, that was actually in the 50s. Oh, was it the 50s? It's set in the 50s, yeah. Um, what was... What was... What's her name? Um, Green Mara. Yeah, what was her name in that movie? Therese. Thank you. <laughs> so, or Therese. Therese, I'm Therese. sorry, the way it's pronounced. Um, she was probably a little bit more pansexual, I think. Yeah. But anyway, regardless of that, it, it has kind of the same thing because she eventually leaves Therese to go back to her husband, probably because she's like, I don't want to deal with this, you know, and she tries to go through it. You come to find out she's actually doing uh, therapy, conversion therapy, um, and then she realizes that she's... Like, I'm living a lie and I can't be happy doing this. So, it just kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Ironically, in the 50s. So. 
I know of all things. It does in a way. Um, yeah, especially just going back to the fact of... And especially because they how, had the best friend, which was Sarah Paulson's character, which is funny. How hard you would have to work on something like that and hide it. And, I mean, just not only for jobs, just for your own safety. I mean, really, depending on where you are, where you travel, where you live, it just, it, it would be a huge commitment all the way around. And I could totally see why Betty was just like, I, you know, look, I still love my husband. I just can't, I can't do that. I can't do that. So, I mean, I, I get it. Um, I get you, Betty. So... Getting into the trial, uh, before it starts that December, both women had to meet with three psychiatrists. The courts seem to believe that their choice of sexual partners might make them unfit to stay in trial. Of course, <laughs> this was the 50s again. Um, well, that's Kaiser what they, they did that in Carol, too. Yeah, so <clears throat> if you guys or if anybody listening wasn't aware, at least in the United States, um, homosexuality was thought to be a mental disorder, at least up in, it was actually filed as a mental disorder up until uh, the 1970s, I think 77. So yeah, wasn't that long ago. Um, Pizer was just as open with the psychiatrist as she had been with the police. Um, she states, I had no motive personally, whatever motive I had was to please Joan. I was always easily influenced and I have always been impressionable and trusting. The psychiatrist who had met with Pizer wrote this in his notes. The only thought that she had was that she had to save her friend Joan from an evil person. When their trial started, both Pizer and Rabble pleaded not guilty, Pizer because of insanity. Pizer took the stand in her defense and openly cried when she described to the jury what she had done at Halloween night. People were shocked that Rabble was all smiles during the trial. It appeared that she thought the whole thing was a production and everyone was there to see her. Initially, they had both been charged with first-degree murder, but through a plea deal, it was reduced to second degree. Each woman was sentenced to five years to life in prison. <clears throat> both women were eventually released. This murder was so much more than just a woman pulling the trigger on a man. There was a marriage and an affair, both fighting to win. I feel there was manipulation. This is the woman saying this. I feel there was manipulation by more than one of the parties, and it led directly to the death on that Halloween night. I do think several mental issues were going on that had nothing to do with their sexuality. I appreciate her throwing that in there. Yeah. Because your sexuality, I love what, um, just like what Allie and AJ say, whatever color that you are, you are not mentally ill. It's not a mental problem. I promise you that. I think the root of the problem was a universal one when people need to be loved so badly they'll do anything to attain it. The lack of love causes a lot of problems in the world, and this story is just one example. I think that Joan probably Home. had right. I don't. <laughs> I don't think that. I mean, I'm sure we could go. We could speculate all over the place, but I don't think that. I think that in her mind. She was only, like, she had finally found someone. I think that she probably fell a lot deeper in love with Betty yeah. than Betty fell in love with her. I agree. And I think that when you culminate that with someone who has a mental disorder, which 
again, I mean, that could very, very well have been the case with Joan. I mean, she was certainly, if you believe what, um, what Pizer was saying, uh, Joan was at the very least, uh, extremely manipulative yeah i mean to the point that she manipulated her so hard into believing that peter was this awful evil person that without even knowing the man she shot she shot him and killed him so that's a pretty strong feeling to have about somebody you don't know you know there's some feelings going on behind that there's some Probably mental issues and some hidden feelings going on behind that. Jealousy. Jealousy issues. So, it was... Uh, <clears throat> I found another article, coincidentally written for Medium.com, that mentions that Joan was born in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania um, in 1917. She had found a career as a writer and a photographer. In 1957, right after her divorce, is when she started working at Peter's Salon... And uh, that was ultimately when her and Joan, uh, or I'm sorry, when her and Betty met. Um, now, publicly, it was never it was never reported that uh, the two women had a homosexual relationship. It was only described as abnormal, which was basically code for for that. Um, now that same year. Joan met Pizer because she was a medical secretary. They became friends um, pretty, pretty fast. And apparently Goldine herself was gay. Um, she married a man that was a naval pharmacist and they divorced not long after they were married. So um, it's even speculated that it's basically speculated that not only did Joe, Joe, uh, did Joan coerce and manipulate Goldine, she actually seduced her. So Goldine could have possibly developed strong feelings for Joan, where because I I fully believe that Joan and Goldine were both lesbians. Oh, I yeah. don't think that Betty was. I think Betty think Betty liked both either by or pan one or the other for sure. Um, but I think Joan and Goldine were definitely lesbians, and I think that Goldine fell hard for Joan and Joan knew that and used that to seduce her and manipulate her into killing Peter. Um, there was another quote by Pizer stating that she, uh, she goes, I had no motive personally. Whatever motive I had was to please Joan. I was easily influenced. Oh, that was the one I mentioned before. Um, but when she says to please Joan, I, I right there think that's code to, to show her that she loved her. For sure. I think I think Goldine did it thinking that that would prove something to... To Joan. To Joan, to make Joan uh, fall in love with her. So, um... 100%. Yeah, I don't even understand. I feel like there's just a lot of lesbian stuff going on and everybody loves every... Like, Someone loves, there's like a triangle. Every, like, Joan loves Betty more than Betty loves her. Goldine loves Joan more than Joan loves her. And we're just, every time I say, every time you say Goldine and I say Goldine, I, I keep thinking of 
the fucking Pokemon. Goldine, Goldine. Goldine, Goldine. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Oh my god. No, that's hilarious, though. <laughs> my brain, every time you do it. Goldine, Goldine. Goldine, Goldine. It's that's a fucking hilarious. fish. That is hilarious. It's a pink fish and it's stupid. Oh my god. So, oh my god, we have Pfizer. Oh wait, no, it'd be Goldine, Goldine. Pfizer. <laughs> Pokemon. Pokemon vaccine and hone. Oh my god. What is happening? Um, so it was reported that uh Goldine passed away in 1998 at the age of 83. There's really little information as far as what happened to Joan, but it's assumed that her and Goldine were released at the same time. Betty sold her business and died in 1999 in Palm Desert, California. Um now again, she was never tried or uh for her husband's murder it's unknown if she had anything to do with it um i don't think she did i'm sure now could possibly joan have made comments around her or like maybe dropped hints or said something that made her feel uncomfortable that would lead her to think that I think that she may have said things that made her feel uncomfortable, but I don't think that she ever said anything that would blatantly outright make her think that this woman was going to kill her husband. No, I don't, I don't think not, she not saw that coming that at extent. all. Um, I mean, just, I think even if she did, I think if she did, she would have said something for sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, the story is really sad. This poor guy was only 35 years old. I mean, that is really, really, really young. And, you know, did the fact that he was willing, I just think it's, you know, the fact that he was willing to stand by his wife and, uh, you know, still be willing to be with her and stay with her and, and work things out says a lot for him as a man, especially yep. back then. Um I mean, that says a lot about things even now, much less back then, for sure. <clears throat> he loved her. He definitely loved her. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I definitely believe that. And I definitely believe that she loved, that she loved him. I, I just too. think that, you know, everything that was described about Joan was just her being a very manipulative person, a very jealous person, um... <clears throat> well yeah. if, if especially if you think about it in the retrospective what if betty was the first woman joan ever loved for all of you women out there your first woman love do you remember how deeply you felt that yeah yeah that's all i'm gonna say but that was her first woman love she felt that. She felt that very, very deeply. Yeah. <clears throat> it's, I believe it's, that. Because you're trying to... It's not even just the first woman love. It's the first love at all. You're trying to navigate these feelings. And someone else has the person that you are absolutely head over and heels for. And you don't know what to do. You just... I mean, I wouldn't kill him. But, you know. Right. <laughs> I wouldn't kill him. But... Yeah, that's taking it to an extreme. I, I understand what you're saying, though, especially on a psych... Especially now, again, granted, we don't know them, but to speculate, if Joan had some mental issues right. going on already, 
and then you take that with loving someone. But also, I mean, I think sometimes that that can be misconstrued with obsession. I think when you when you yeah. think you first love someone, it's maybe not love. You just don't know how to navigate those emotions because you haven't felt that yet. And it can very quickly turn into obsession and more of a lust in wanting to possess that person rather than truly love them. Because mm -hmm. if she really loved her, she would respect the fact that she wanted to stay with her husband. And she Very true. On. I mean, Very true. Especially love... if by the time she's already known Goldine, they, they look like they could have been a, they could have been a couple. I mean, they really could. If she was gay, then that could have happened. Mm -hmm. No, I agree because it's, it's like when you, when you actually do love somebody, and I've learned this getting older. When you truly love somebody, you literally don't, you just let them go. Like, you, you, whatever is best for them, you let happen. Like, it's, it's, it's a hard decision sometimes, and it's hard to, to deal with sometimes. But when you truly love somebody, and honestly, this is coming from somebody who truly knows, because I'm, I've been there. When you truly love somebody, you might not be what's best for them and you have to be okay with that. And when you truly love somebody, you do let them go. And it's, it's the absolute truth. Like I have dealt with it in my life before and I had to let that person go. They weren't the right one for me. I, I wasn't the right one for them, which in turn, they're not the right one for me. Cause you have to think about it in that retrospect. You can't just be like, not to give like fucking relationship advice right now, but <laughs> when when you're when you realize that you might not be the one for them just remember they're not the one for you and there's somebody out there better for you just always remember that in retrospect of everything so you're not like yeah don't become obsessive no or or possessive don't turn some... into pen bashley from oh, you oh my god don't turn into a fucking stalker like that's not that's don't do that. That's not the way. Oh, Lord. Sorry. <laughs> oh, um, Lord. Ooh, Lord. TikTok is like, we busting out on the scene. <laughs> oh, um, oh, Lord. It's, it's definitely not a good look at the end of the day because especially if you want to maintain a friendship or still be in that person's life, like, I think maybe at some point, like, I get Peter being jealous and not wanting Betty to talk to her, but I think if she would have been able to step away in a healthy way. I think years down the line, maybe once Peter got over all of that, they could have developed a friendship. I think it could have stayed that way. I think if, if we're speaking in times now, um, they could have remained friends. Um, <laughs> You know, I mean, you still had an affair, which is well, not yeah, everybody right. needed it's not time good. to heal. Everybody but at the end of the day, it's I I get why it happened. It's not right that it happened, but it did happen. And of course, everybody was going to need time to heal after something like that. But I think just given the context of of them being two women, it being the fifties, his masculinity being, you know, uh. Questioned. questioned because 
you know, you're gonna, you're, it's gonna feel attacked. It's definitely gonna feel attacked in an instance like that. He sure um, was like, I just came out to have a good time, and I feel so attacked right now. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I do think that if Joan would have handled it differently, that the outcome would have been different because that's another thing. Like that can happen where if you have feelings for someone, they don't reciprocate, but you're able to respect that and move on. Mm-hmm. there could still be a friendship there. But if you yep. if you become extremely possessive and obsessed, no, that's not good. And it's not, health, it's not healthy for you, and it's not healthy for that person because no. that can be really traumatic. That can be extremely traumatic because then it that person questions themselves. They question their, their trust for others. It's... And then it makes it difficult for the person that has the obsession to ever know what real love is and to give them a chance at trying to find a real relationship and a real bond with someone because they have spent so much time being obsessed with someone who now, I mean, not only before were they not reciprocating, now they're terrified of you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, God Almighty, like the way do. that, oh yeah, everything you were trying to do went self. A hundred percent the opposite way. So yeah, don't do like, don't do that. And like, it, definitely don't I've do that. I've had those things, those things happen in my life where I've had feelings for someone and they didn't reciprocate. Someone had feelings for me and I didn't reciprocate. And we took a step back for a few days and we thought about things and realized we wanted to keep the friendship. They didn't become obsessed with me. I didn't become obsessed with them. It's perfectly healthy to do it that way. (laughs) Rejection is never easy, but it's always best to take it. Oh my gosh. Take a few days, think about it, be like, you know, do I really want this person in my life or am I not going to be able to get over this? Because it's, there are, there are instances when you might need to take longer to get over your feelings for them. And that's okay. Take as long as you need to. But if you genuinely want them in your life, you need to respect their decision. Period. I'm just, did this turn into a fucking therapy session? Like I know, relationships right? Relationships and not stalking people? Well, it's hard not to <laughs> talk right? about it because these are... You know, this is a real life thing that happened that um, could totally happen again. I mean, it, it, it's maybe not even to this extent, but um, even to the point that it could become stalkerish or it could become really unhealthy. Like, not to the point of killing someone, but, I mean, coming to the point that, yeah, it could full-on turn into a stalker. And that's, that's just not the, yeah, it's not good, it's not good all the way around for everybody involved, like we mentioned. But, um, I just think it's crazy that, like, any articles I try to find, and even tried to find before, like, Honestly, I, and I, you know what, I could totally see it, especially after the times and everything that happened that Joan just, she disappeared. Like, literally. Joan was like, deuces. Nobody knows what happened to her. Like, there's not been any articles or anything written. No, like, nobody knows, you know? And she probably didn't have a lot of family. I mean, you know, she moved, um... 
if if her you know she was divorced if the marriage ended badly and i'm sure that there were probably people re trying to reach out to her um ex-husband and you know he's he doesn't want to talk about it which is understandable um is but, it that, that through this whole podcast my brain has done this the whole time and then i was like damn it's 7 a.m because I keep thinking you need to calm down. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. Joan needed to calm down. Joan needed to calm down. Like, big time needed to calm down. Good God. Honey. Honey. She should have just dated Goldine. I don't understand. She should have. She should Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Unless, like, except for what we said. Like, if she legitimately had a mental disorder and... I'm telling you, which I'm starting to think that's true, especially when you look at some of these, like there's a few pictures and I'm guessing these were the ones either before or after court, like, and you know, it's mentioned in the courtroom that she smiled the whole time. Like that is really fucking bizarre. Like who yeah, smiles the whole time during a, during a murder no, trial? Nobody, like, unless you I mean, have a mental disorder. Goldine or... was like beside herself, like sobbing and crying and like a appropriate solemn the whole time as she's walking into the courtroom and then gets on the stand and just starts sobbing. Appropriate I mean, response. like exactly. That is a complete and total appropriate response. If you are genuinely remorseful about murdering someone. And meanwhile, it's like every picture that was taken of Joan related to this crime. Like, she's smiling about it. Like, I don't understand. I, I mean, I, I guess I like now what that makes me think is I think there was a little bit of her that is happy that. Because, you know, you have those fucked up people where you're like, if you're not going to be with me, well, then you're not going to be with anybody else. And That's, it was never mm -hmm. it was never mentioned that Betty got remarried. Right. So if I can't have maybe, you, no one can. Maybe that was literally like maybe she was that terrified that she was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to be with anybody else. Because if she's this obsessed with me, what if she gets out again and kills the next person I'm <laughs> with? Like, oh, I mean, that made me think like. Maybe that was part of the reason why Joan looked happy. Maybe she was happy that I think, I think that it turned, maybe if it didn't originally start that way, that I think it turned into her punishing. I don't, I just, I Damn. have that feeling now because, <laughs> but you guys, I kept seeing how creepily she was smiling and like thinking about her smiling in the courtroom the whole fucking time. I'm like, if you're smiling in the courtroom, something's up, period. Ain't nobody that, that's, no, you're not going to smile in the courtroom. Especially when you are the one. Oh my like, God. That you orchestrated the whole fucking Jesus. thing. Like you did. You need Jesus. Look. look. <laughs> oh, she needs more than Jesus. You need Percocet. Percocet. <laughs> I'm actually glad we don't know what happened to Joan. I don't think people oh, needed to know what happened with her, where she is, or... I hope she got help. Joan's probably I'll not say that. alive. I'm sure she's definitely not alive. I mean, <laughs> by the time... By the time... She was born in 1917. So, yeah, if she was still alive, holy shit. She'd still be a little over 100. Yeah. 104. Yeah. So, so let's just... I, my hope is that before she died, that 
she actually got some type of help. Same. Definitely for herself. Because yes. it, it sounds like she needed it. It looked like she needed it. Because, and then. You know what else she needed? She needs some milk. Probably. She was dehydrated. <laughs> she needs some I milk. I mean, you become dehydrated, some crazy things happen. Hey, so, right? She had a headache like, and needed some milk. She was dehydrated and had low blood sugar. Welcome to Chili's. Milk. Oh my god. No. <laughs> I'm dumb. I'm like, oh my god, no. Um <laughs> I just all the vines. All the vines are popping. Fucking, up now. That's what's happening. Like in my head. Because you said that and I was just like, no, no, no. What? My coworker today. What is was happening? Like, Man, if I did this, I'd get bronchitis. And I was like, yeah, ain't not ain't nobody got time for that. Anybody <laughs> got time for that? Um, so in closing, do you have anything else? No, I just, this was such a very interesting case. I, <clears throat> excuse me, I really enjoyed reading into this, but now that we've been sitting here talking about it in full, I'm like, oof, it sounds like Joan needed some, uh, <laughs> it sounded like Joan needed some hip. It sounds like she it's might have serious it sounds like she might have had a little bit in a bit of a, 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 a little bit of an what the fuck You're a like little bit of an obsession there a we go bit, a tad just a tad just a tad because you don't kill like i'm not gonna sit here and be like i'm gonna go kill somebody's husband because i'm obsessed with them and if i can't have them nobody can I'm, I have obsessive tendencies and I'm very passionate about some people, but I have never in my wildest dreams even thought that in the slightest. Um, even with celebrities that I've been obsessed with, oh, I, I don't even think about being like, well, I'm going to kill their spouse because this, and I'm just like, no, look, they look so happy. That's love right there. When you love somebody and you're like looking at them with their spouse or their partner, whoever they're with, and you're like. I'm really happy for you. You are happy. That's love. It becomes less than obsession when you look at them and you're not happy for them and you're like actually valuing actually valuing their happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um I did want to say real quick um since we finished up uh I know that Casper's posted a lot about it on her Twitter and um I posted something real quick in my Instagram stories about um, the new Chucky series. I hope everybody is happy with it. We are extremely ecstatic. We were talking about it before we recorded how the first episode was great. It was just, it was awesome. It was the perfect continuation from uh, Curse and Colt. And um, the, the, the Chucky doll is great. The characters are great. The, uh, you know, the LGBT represent representation is, is incredible. Um, yeah, it was really good. I mean, I was really, really impressed. I was impressed with the acting. I was impressed. It was, it, you know, Chucky was, was, was back. I mean, he's scary. He's funny. It's got every element, um, in staying true, in staying true, not only to the original movies, but making it relevant 
to today. I even loved at the very end of it, if anybody happened to catch that, that it said if you've been a victim of bullying, they had resources to GLAD and uh, things like that. Because like, I have that a, was really. I have a really big feeling that this is going to touch on bullying a lot. Um, because I have a feeling, especially knowing that we're going to go back and we're going to watch. As it should. Oh my I mean, God, my fucking words. We're literally going to watch. Charles Lee Ray as a child and like see his backstory, which I'm super fucking excited about. Um, I and know would be on a shadow of a doubt he was bullied. Like, you can just, you just know that's where the, tra- direct, the trajectory of this is going, especially because that whole ventriloquist part and the way he was going after the people who were bullying Jake. You know he's felt this. You know, like, you're watching him connect with Jake on that level. And I think that's really neat that that's the take that Don has done in this series. Um, Especially because, and just, like, having Jake as a gay character. I know that's something Don is so proud about. And he's he's been posting it on Twitter, like, nonstop about how happy he is that he's gotten to make the main character gay. Um... And, you know, there's obviously, like, him, there's very heavy um, points to a scene between Nika and, fucking God, Tiffany. You want to call her Jennifer Tilly? And I'm like, it is Jennifer Tilly, but that's not her name. Has anyone ever told you you look just like Jennifer Tilly? I get that a lot. (laughs) Um... So there's, like, a lot of gay in this show, and I love it. Um, Chucky is, like, literally just, like, him coming alive and saying, like, want to play Heidi fucking ho. Like, that was everything to me. I just started laughing. Everyone seems to be very genuinely happy with how the season started, or how the series has started. The first kill was spot on. Um, I just, I really think that Don... It just continues to keep making these better. Every time he makes a movie, he makes it better. Um, once he realized that after three, he started to go the comedy route with Bride and Seed. And after Seed, he was like, you know what? I need to go back to the original roots. And he did. And that's why Curse and Cult. That's why I love that this series is a direct sequel to Cult. Because it's it's just... It's the Chucky that we want. It's the original Chucky. Oh, Jesus. With, <laughs> oh, Lord. It's the original Chucky, but you get the humor from Cult and Curse. And it's just an absolute brilliant mixture on top of the fact that everybody's in it. Andy, Kyle, um, Tiffany. God! I don't know. My brain is not working anymore. I keep wanting to say Tilly. So. I keep, instead of Tiffany, I'm, I'm like Tilly. Tilly. Yeah. Tilly. No, Tiffany. So, yeah, we're very excited about where the series is going to go. Um, sure. You guys already know Scream released a trailer yesterday. It is a great, great time to be a horror fan right oh, now. Oh, for can sure. We just, can we just... We're getting all of these show movies back with all the original people, all the original creators, and it's just... I love to see it. Halloween's coming out this weekend. I'm sure... I We have tickets. We're going to go see it Sunday. Um... You guys make sure to go see that. For sure. Yep. Um, Very excited about that. It looks absolutely amazing. Scream looks amazing. I'm just, I'm very, 
it's a good time to be a horror fan right now. It's so nice to feel excited about all these things because we got nothing last year. So I'm very thankful for this year. Every horror fan was looking out for this for sure. So it's delivering. It's delivering. It definitely is. So yeah. Yep. My brain isn't working anymore. <laughs> we're so like, sorry, guys. we're like, we're so shutting tired. down. I'm completely just like, boom. All right, dude. So next week we're going to have a paranormal episode all about creepy places. What was it? Hold on. Um, the creepiest places in every single state. So we're going to hit what the creepiest places are all across America. Super excited to do this one because we're actually going to, we're literally going to talk about 50 different places. And I think that's really exciting because. Some of them we've actually even been to. Some of them we're planning on going to. So that's, yes. that's, that's really fucking cool. And it's perfect for spoopy month. All the, all the ghost Yeah. Cause in. you know, we'll get, it, what's really cool is being able to get listeners in each state. Maybe some of you have been to them yourself or you live nearby and you're like, oh shit, I never thought to go to that. And might give people some ideas. We'll love some you know? feedback. We'll we still got a couple feedback. weeks left in October, so yeah. definitely need to make that happen. Do yeah. some spoopy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want a treat? Yeah. All right, guys. Well, of course, you know, have a great week and go see Halloween Kills. Watch Chucky on Sci-Fi. Anticipate Scream. Go watch Candyman. All the OG slashers are like, so like giving us a big hug right now, and I love it. Except Jason and Freddie, which is fine. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is fine. Um, in this case, you know, it is perfectly fine to fuck with the original, but in certain cases, always remember, don't, don't fuck, fuck with the, the original. original. <laughs> we love you guys. Have a good week. Hey, bye. Okay, so not by <laughs> social, so Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at DFWTO podcast handle is DFWTO8811. And of course, we are on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iTunes. Follow us, give us a rating, do all those cool things. And um, I think, no, that's everything. Okay, guys, bye!